sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. Hey, what's going on? It's Justin Sarachik, editor of Rapzilla.com, and you are watching MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. You hear the music. Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Robinson, and welcome to another exciting edition of the NFL Wrap-Up. Again, Week 12 was long, but finally got it done. Of course, you know, we're still dealing with COVID issues, but nevertheless, Week 12 was completed in the National Football League. And on the program, we're going to preview Week 13's action, and also we're going to have an interview this week with Rick Sincere from the MTMV Sports Podcast Network. We're going to discuss the teams making an impact and the teams not making an impact impact in the first half of the NFL season. And I tell you what, week 12 was long, agonizing, COVID dominated much of the storylines, but nevertheless, let's get right to it. Let's start off with a great, um, well, a dominating performance by the Tennessee Titans as we had the Tennessee Titans take on the Indianapolis Colts. The Titans handled their business led by Derrick Henry. Tennessee would win 45-26. to What a comeback it was by the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins through a game-winning touchdown pass to wide receiver Chad Beebe with 46 seconds left in the game as Minnesota beat Carolina 28-27. Meanwhile, good finish up in Foxborough, Massachusetts between the Arizona Cardinals and the New England Patriots. The Patriots would win by a game-winning field goal as New England beat the Cardinals 20-17. Meanwhile, the New Orleans Saints... Still one of the hottest teams, probably the hottest team in the league right now. Denver had issues all week with the quarterback situation as a result of COVID. But you know what? You take advantage of the situation, and that's what the Saints did. The Saints had an impressive performance offensively and especially on the defensive side. New Orleans beat Denver. Final score, 31-3. to What a finish it was down in Tampa between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Patrick Mahomes going up against Tom Brady. But in the end, it would be Mahomes. Him and the, and the offense took control of, and handled their business. Kansas City would beat Tampa Bay. Final score, 27 to 24. Sunday night football would see the Chicago Bears go up against the Green Bay Packers. It was all Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers and company handled their business both offensively and defensively. Green Bay beat Chicago 41 to 25. Monday night football would see the Seattle Seahawks go up against the Philadelphia Eagles. The struggles continue for Philly. The Seahawks defensively wasn't too bad. Offensively, they did enough to do their job. Seattle would go on to beat Philadelphia 23 to 17. And the game that was supposed to happen on Thanksgiving night, it didn't happen. Postponed until Tuesday. Guess what? More COVID cases. Postponed again till Wednesday afternoon. The Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tough game towards the end, but Pittsburgh hangs on and remains the only undefeated team in the NFL as the Steelers beat the Ravens. Final score, 19-14. And those were the most important games from Week 12 in the NFL. All right, now it's time for my top three storylines. I'm going to start off with COVID-19 for a moment. As I mentioned earlier about 
the Denver Broncos quarterback situation and the Ravens and Steelers uh, situation. Again, we were supposed to see the Ravens and Steelers on Thanksgiving night, but a, a massive outbreak of, of COVID cases w- within the Baltimore Ravens. J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, they were the first two to be diagnosed with COVID-19. Then after that, uh, Lamar Jackson uh, came was diagnosed with COVID-19 as well as other players on the Baltimore team. So they had three they had several postponements. They went from a Thursday night to a Sunday afternoon, from a Sunday afternoon to a Tuesday afternoon, from a Tuesday afternoon to now the Wednesday afternoon game. And it goes to show you that the, the sign of the times and what we're dealing with, right, dealing with right now, not just in professional sports, but in our world in general, COVID-19. COVID-19 has impacted professional sports and has impacted everyday life with uh, outbreaks of uh with the recent outbreaks and, and rising uh, uh, rising cases across the country, this is going to be an interesting situation going forward and how the NFL plans to begin the postseason and the Super Bowl is going to be in early February. It's going to be in Tampa, but we have to remember that Florida was one of the hot spots when the pandemic first hit in March. Now, in an interview during the Wednesday afternoon game, NBC Sports' Mike Tirico interviewed NFL Commissioner Roger Dell, and Roger was saying that they continue to move forward. They're going to move forward with the remainder of the season. They don't see a bubble happening in the foreseeable future. They think that they have the situation under control. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm going to be quite honest with you. I think the NBA really is the league that has handled this COVID-19 the best, and they did it in such a short amount of time. The NFL, on the other hand, on the other hand, they had more time to handle the situation and with the postponement of the games, moving games around, uh, you know, the, uh, giving teams to run around. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's neither here nor there. But, I mean, this, uh, this situation has gotten, you know, very scary, and it's going to continue to get fishy as the season progresses. We're, we're in the winter months, and, again, the, the postseason is in January, and then the Super Bowl is going to be the first Sunday in February. So a lot is going to happen. I think there should be a playoff bubble, but Commissioner Goodell is adamant that he believes that, you know, the regular season will finish as planned, and also there's no need for a playoff bubble. But again, the NFL not just doesn't just stand for the National Football League, but also stands for not for long, where we'll have games to be played and games could be moved around. My next storyline is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers remain the only undefeated team in the National Football League, but they seemed vulnerable and my, uh, the interview that I have coming up with Rick Sincere after the break, he's going to go more into detail about the vulnerability that the Steelers had going up against the Ravens. And they did look vulnerable. For the first time this year, there were chinks in the armor. There were flaws that we had seen, unlike what we've seen early in the year with the Steelers. Yes, they beat Baltimore, but they just didn't come out with the high-powered offense that we see with Pittsburgh. Defensively, they're still solid. Yeah, they lost Bud Dupree for the season due to a torn ACL. But nevertheless, he the, that defense is going to be fine. T.J. Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick, Joe Hayden, uh, Cameron Hayward, all of those guys are going to be great. But with the Steelers, the remaining schedule, they've got Buffalo and they've got Cleveland and they've got Indianapolis. Those are three worthy opponents. So, can the Steelers be undefeated? 
Yes, they can be undefeated throughout the regular season, but we've seen a similar situation like this before, and we know how that end result happened with New England, played the Giants in the Super Bowl, Eli touchdown, the plaques of gold, and that's how that story ended. But we shall see. We know Mike Tomlin, he's one of the best coaches in the league, is a candidate for head coach of the year. So it's going to be interesting how Pittsburgh plays this out going uh, the rest of the way. And for my last storyline, it's going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz, it was only three years ago. Carson was on his way to winning possibly the league MVP, hurts his knee in the game against the Los Angeles Rams, done for the year. Nick Foles comes in, as they say, the rest is history. The Eagles win the Super Bowl. But just a year after that, Wentz received a contract extension, four years, $128.5 million. Since the contract extension and since the injury, he has regressed, and he has regressed badly. Now, can you put the blame on Carson? You could put some of it on him, but also Frank Rye was the offensive coordinator when Carson first was drafted by the Eagles. He's now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Also, a lot of changes have happened, and also with the Eagles as well. um, Drafting talent hasn't been that great since Howie Roseman has been in management. Last year, they had an opportunity to get D.K. Metcalf. That didn't happen. They passed on him. They had an opportunity to get Jordan Jefferson. They passed on him in this year's draft. And I don't know, the Jalen Hurts draft pick, when I saw that, I was confused. I was, like, really, really confused when that situation had happened. But I don't know. To me, that Jalen Hurts pick was was a waste of a pick. But, (laughs) you know, that's how the Eagles are sometimes. I mean, the Eagles – you know, they just do – they do what they do, and we're seeing it happen. I don't know if it's – it could be a variety of things. Again, Doug Peterson, his job is on the line. Uh, Howie Roseman's job is on the line. Injuries have just decimated this whole team, not just on the wide receiver side, but also with offensive linemen. Defensively, defense has just been like the mash unit the last several years. Uh, Sidney Jones, Devontae Maddox, uh, just to name a few, a lot of them uh, have been hurt, and the Eagles have had to battle a lot. And believe it or not, they still have a chance to win the NFC East. I mean, that whole division has been bad from New York to Washington to Dallas. The Eagles, I mean, yeah, they're 3-8-1 they're three, they're three, right now, but, I mean, well, 3-7-1, I'm sorry if you want to be technical about 3-7-1, but you know, they still have a chance to win the division and could possibly host a wild card playoff game. But the Eagles have got to get it together, man. They just they have regressed since the suit since the year they won the Super Bowl, particularly with Carson Wentz and really everybody is just from top to bottom. It just hasn't been good in Philly right now. They definitely have to get it together. All right, that uh does it for segment one when we come back from the break. I have my interview with the MTMB Sports Podcast Network CEO, Rick Sincere. I'm Ed Robinson, and you're listening to the NFL Wrap-Up. Get her off of that Moscato and sip in the bottle. Let her know that she worth every bit of a million dollars and give her every word of my artillery. I am a scholar. I- 
All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. Yeah, you hear that music. That's uh, my main man, Rick Sincere. He's going to be coming on in a moment to talk about the first half of the NFL season, the highlights, the lowlights, and also, more importantly, the teams that have made an impact and the teams that have not made an impact. And here he is now. We want to welcome to the program from the MTMD Sports Podcast Network, Rick Sincere. Yo, bro, what's up? I'm doing well, brother. How you doing, man? Doing well, man. First of all, on behalf of everybody, I just want to wish you and your family and everyone else a happy Thanksgiving, man. Your holiday was good? Holiday was amazing, man. I celebrated my 10th wedding anniversary. Um, That was really fun. Um, You know, spent some time with family. I had a really good time, man. My wife's birthday was like, uh, what, a few days after that, man. So it was just just a really power-packed weekend. It was awesome. Awesome, man. Well, good. Glad to hear you and you and yours had a great holiday and anniversary as well. And again, let's uh, let's jump right into it. You know, Rick, the 2020 NFL season has been very unpredictable, like this 2020 year with COVID and things of that nature. We're going to touch all on that in a little bit, but let's start off with the teams that have made an impact in the first half of the NFL season. Let's start off with the New Orleans Saints. They are currently nine and two at the at the moment as this show is airing. They are in first place in the NFL. They currently hold the number one spot in the NFC. Drew Brees, of course, during the first half of the season, Drew Brees was effective, but Alvin Kamara has been balling. He's an MVP candidate and most likely could win the league offensive player of the year. Defensively, the Saints have shined bright. However, Drew Drew Brees uh, fractured uh, 11 ribs, suffered also a punk, uh, uh, collapsed lung, and Taysom Hill. We talked about this the last time you were on the program. Sean Payton thinks the world of Taysom Hill. So far, so good. I mean, Taysom, he's not your traditional quarterback, but so far, so good. We, we've seen some bright spots from Taysom. Just give me your take on the Saints in the first half of the year. Um, I think the Saints started off slow like they generally do. Um and when I say start off slow, I think they started off well with the win against Tampa, um, which was necessary in the first game. But then after that, you saw a lot of flaws and chinks um, in their defense. And and it looked like against Green Bay, they looked very vulnerable. Uh, weeks after that, they looked vulnerable. And, but over the course of the first half of the season and since that point, they've really shored up their defense. And that's what I'm excited about going forward, right? You look at the Saints right now. And you said they're number one, um, you know, in the NFC. In the NFC, but they're not only number one in the NFC; they're number one in the NFL in terms of defense, and that's something I haven't been able to say <laughs> ever. Um, but you look at the number one total defense right now; the number two in rushing defense, number five in passing defense, number five in, uh, in points allowed. New Orleans, and, and yes, yeah, some of that is attributed to them giving being given a gift, um, you know, last week with Denver. Because if you look at that team, they didn't have a quarterback. So, you get, you know, you're going up against a team without a quarterback. But still, this Saints team has really shored up defensively. Um, they blew out Tampa Bay, um, and they shut down Tom Brady. So what they did to a team without a quarterback, they did again to a team with the Hall of Famer, Famer at quarterback. Um, this Saints team looks good, and defensively they look great. Dog is one thing that helps the, you know, that team out while dealing with their quarterback woes, I would say. Um, you, you don't have your, your main leader in Drew Brees, but you're right. Taysom Hill has done well enough. He was going up against one of the worst passing defenses in the league, and, you know, he, he actually did pretty well against that team. Um, 
and last week it was a completely different thing for him. He, he completely uh, – he didn't have to do much. All he had to do was take care of the ball. Um, he only threw one interception last week, but still. Um, the team is really going on the back of their defense. And, man, that trade for Quan Alexander was really, really big um, for this team. It really vaulted them in, into what I would say is the upper echelon of defense in the NFL. I definitely agree. That Quan Alexander move was definitely big for New Orleans, Rick. I want to stay with defense and the Saints for a moment. As you mentioned earlier, the Saints, particularly during during the Drew Brees and Sean Payton era, they've never been known for defense. Really, the only time the defense really shined was the year that they won the Super Bowl. But this defense is probably the best we've seen since the Dome Patrol era with Ricky Jackson and Pat Swilling and Sam Mills and Vaughn Johnson. How would you rank this defense amongst the ball. We know they're currently number one, but how do you think they stack up with other defenses such as, because, I mean, the Saints defense has been solid really uh, really in this first half of the year with Cam Jordan and David Agnamata, uh, Trey Hendrickson. Of course, uh, Alexander Loney's been effective. And, of course, you mentioned with Quan Alexander. So how would you rank, rank their defense? I mean, are they, are they playing like Dome Patrol or, or is it too premature? Man, I love that. Um, are they playing like that Dome Patrol? Um, they are – they're not as scary as that Dome Patrol. They're not as scary as that Dome Patrol. Not yet, because the Dome Patrol had, had years of, you know, being one of the most feared defenses, right? Um, and, and they could come after the quarterback. They did really well. Um, I love the Dome Patrol. They were very scary, though. This team isn't there yet because they haven't established that reputation. Plus, um, this team has – shown spots of vulnerability, and they and you haven't seen them be tested again um, for a while. They'll be tested again uh, when they play the Chiefs, and when they play the Chiefs, then we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see kind of where they are as far as you know how they rank up against you know some something like the Dome Patrol. But you mentioned Trey Hendrickson, bro. I don't know if you will believe this, right? But Trey Hendrickson is number three right now in sacks. <laughs> He's number three in the NFL in sacks, right? Um, Nine point five sacks. This guy has really, really like he's he's done well, and he's not even always the starter, right? But he's a constant contributor, um, and he plugged in well when Davenport wasn't there. He's really been doing his thing. This defense looks good. Another thing that really um, has shocked me is how well they were able able to perform whenever their top cornerbacks aren't there because of the play of Patrick Robinson, right? And he used to be somebody who you could pick on. But this year he's really um, done well. Over the course of tra- uh, over the course of training camp, people kept talking about how much he's improved, how much better he's gotten, and he's gotten into the game and showed that. Right? They lose Janoris Jenkins for a while. No worries. Patrick Robinson comes in and does his thing. They lose uh, Marshawn Lattimore against the Falcons. No worries. Right? Patrick Robinson comes in and does his thing. What I'm saying is that this defense has depth and a lot of depth. Right? And when I when you stack them up, man, they go toe for toe for with almost anybody in the league right now, hands down. Um, I don't see a better I don't see a better defense hands down in in the league. I I just don't. 
Speaking of elite, you know, the Saints uh, have it in, have been elite on the offensive side during the Drew Brees and Sean Payton era. Alvin Kamara, Al, I mean, people talk about a, a lot of candidates in the MVP race, Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, but I think Alvin Kamara deserves some consideration in that MVP race as well. He's, I have him winning at least the league offensive player of the year, and he's really carried that team in the absence of Drew Brees. Just give me a take on, on Alvin during the first half. Alvin has been explosive, and one of the things that you weren't able to see last season was that explosiveness. It seemed to be missing um, because he was hurt most of the season. But this year, he's come back and he has been explosive. What's going to take away from his ability to kind of be mentioned um, in that MVP race is him being like 17th in rushing, even though he's contributed to the passing game. Um, that passing game contribution has went down since Taysom took over. And so you're not right now you're you're seeing an effective Elvin Kamara, right? But you're not seeing MVP Elvin Kamara. Um right now guys like Derrick Henry at what, one thousand two hundred and fifty seven yards rushing, um Delvin Cook, thousand one hundred and thirty yards while Elvin Kamara's uh, around that five hundred and eighty five mark. That will will hurt his M V P candidacy, right? Um but if you just talk about a Pro Bowl player a player who um, is impactful, um, he's been all of that. He's been very explosive, very, very easy to rely on. Um, you know, but I don't, I don't know if we're going to get him in that MVP um, race because Latavius Murray has been great. And last game, Latavius Murray actually had more carries and more yards than Elvin Kamara. So um, it's going to be tough to get him in that um, that MVP race. But if you want to talk about a f- effective player who's had a great year, yes. He'll definitely be in a Pro Bowl um, in, in a Pro Bowl conversation. One last thing about the Saints before we move on. Of course, there's been the the, the quarterback controversy. Drew Drew gets hurt. Um, we know the coach Payton thinks the world of Taysom Hill. I personally thought Jameis Winston should have gotten the start, but so far so good with Taysom Hill. Again, we've seen him as a utility player, and he's been okay at the quarterback position thus far. How do you see T, T, uh, Taysom fared out going forward? Uh, okay, so we had this argument on Twitter, right? Look, I I feel like, um, I feel like Taysom Hill can be an effective backup for right now when we need him. Is he the future going forward? If he is, that's an uncomfortable future uh, for all Saints fans. Unless he shows vast improvement in the next few weeks. Like, you have to see vast improvement. Even in that Falcons game, I need to see more from him in the Falcons game. Yes, he's he's rushing for touchdowns, I think, two every week, right? Um, but is he passing for touchdowns? Haven't seen it yet, right? You need to see more from um, more from Taysom Hill from that, from that standpoint, from the pocket. Um, against Denver, he was going to have a chance to show growth, but they didn't have a quarterback show and went to a different plan. What's going to happen in this Atlanta game? Atlanta just came in and blew out um, the, the Raiders. And so Atlanta, yes, they lost to the Saints because they weren't ready and prepared for whatever that was. This time around, it may be different. How does Taysom look now? How will Taysom look? Will he come out and have a stellar game? A stellar passing game is what I'm asking for. Do I believe in Taysom as the, as the quarterback moving forward? Um, no, I don't think he's the answer at quarterback moving forward. I love him at his utility role. Um, but I mean, I'll say this: if he shows vast improvement and he can show sustained improvement, 
right? Maybe in that game against the uh, Falcons, maybe in the game against the Eagles. And if he he looks good, then maybe we can have a, we can revisit the conversation. But for now, based on the sample size, um, I, I I can't go with it. Sean Payton still stands by him. He still thinks he's the world. So we'll uh, we'll see uh, moving forward. All right, Rick, let's talk now about the Seattle Seahawks. Again, Seattle, solid first half of the year. This is a different Seattle team than what we've seen in seasons past. Of course, we know Russell Wilson has been the quarterback in Seattle currently for nine years. But Seattle's bread and butter was the Legion of Boom defense and, of course, Marshawn Lynch and beast mode in the running game. But within the last several years, it's become Russell Wilson's team. Wilson is an MVP candidate. Defensively, they're, they're the worst that they've been uh, in the Pete Carroll era. Matter of fact, they have the worst defense in, in the league. But they have Russell Wilson. They've got D.K. Metcalf, who's been outstanding. Tyler Lockett's been effective. David Moore has been solid as well. And, and Carlos Hyde, they've, they've done a nice job with the running back by committee with Carson and Hyde and also with D.J. Dallas. Just give me your take on Seattle in the first half. Man, um, offensively, I love Seattle because D.K. Metcalf has shown every single one of those teams that passed up on him um, in that draft. And I was at that draft. I was there watching that board. I'm watching I'm watching team after team pass on this guy, and I couldn't figure it out, right? You have a six-foot-four locked-up individual, and they pass up on him time and time again. And he's shown the entire league, hey, you made a mistake, Right. And Seattle made the right call. Right now, he leads the league in receiving, 1,039 yards. He's leading the league in receiving after being a second-round draft pick who was passed the ball time and time again. Listen, this offensive unit is nice, okay? Especially you, you mentioned Carlos Hyde, who's been able to come in um, whenever Carson's down. Carson is back, and you saw how he's running the ball. He reminded me of Marshawn Lynch um, the other day running the ball. He looks good. He looks good. He plays well. He runs hard. Offensively, they're going to be a problem for any team they are facing. But much like those, um, you know, those old Saints teams who had a phenomenal offense, but you couldn't rely on a defense to save your life. This is the Seattle team now. You said the Legion of Boom used to be it. They were it. Now they are gone, and it's clear. Seattle is the worst. The worst defense in the league, hands down. It's not even a question. They are the worst passing defense in the league, and 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 that sucks for them. Now they show it well in the rushing department. Yeah, they're actually number three in rushing um, yards uh, allowed, right? But that's only because it's so sweet to pass on them. And this is a passing league now, so I think the depth of this team will be the passing defense, hands it, like period. They're going to be great. They're going to always be in games because Russell Wilson will not let them out. He will not keep them out of games. He will not throw them out of games and not make a whole lot of mistakes. But that defense will keep them out of of the Super Bowl, and that's something I can almost bank on. Yeah, it, just, it feels very weird when you think of Seattle. I always think about those seasons of Legion of Boom and Beast, Beast Mode. And, of course, Russell being a complimentary player. Now, Russell is the team, and offensively, Seattle's played well. Defensively, that's interesting. How do you how do you like Russell's chances in the MVP race? I liked them before this little law he kind of went on. Um, he was doing really well, right? Um, he was, at one point, I think leading the league in, in passing, he was, uh, playing very well, and it looked he looked really great, almost unstoppable at one point. 
Um, but then he he kind of, you know, suffered a little bit of a lag. And, and we're seeing him kind of recover from that lag right now. He's still third in the league in passing, which is cool, right? Um, and, and, you know, him not having Carson for a while, him not having Carson and um, Hyde for a while, that was a little tough, right? Because he had to shoulder more of the load. Um, but at the end of the day, you're looking at a Russell Wilson who will be in the MVP conversation, but it looks like Patrick Mahomes has kind of jumped him um, for that for that number one spot. And so we'll see how Patrick looks going down, um, you know, going down the stretch. But um, but Russell's going to have to have a heroic, you know, last half in order for him to um, supplant um, Patrick Mahomes at this point. All right, let's stay in the NFC, Rick. Green Bay Packers, man. Green Bay That's played something. some great ball this year. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is an MVP candidate, and he definitely deserves some high marks in the MVP race. Now, uh, Seattle, well, Green Bay's defense is much better than Seattle. However, Green Bay, they don't defend the run well, but they definitely defend the pass very well. So you've got this Green Bay team is really a mirror image of last year's team. Now, I will say their defense has improved this year, and, I mean, they're running the ball much better. I mean, Aaron Jones has picked up right where he's left off at, and Jamal Williams is complimentary. The only thing with Green Bay, they've had issues at the wide receiver position. When Devontae Adams is healthy, he's one of the best. Give me your take on Green Bay in the first half. I love Green Bay. Um, Aaron Rodgers is definitely one of my uh, one of my candidates because he's had if, – if he's not – he could be – well, I don't want to call him comeback player of the year, right? Um, but in some people's eyes, he is because he's had a phenomenal comeback season. He is looking so great. He looked great last year a little bit. Um, but this year, it looks like he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. After they made that, um, some people would say foolish pick in the first round of the draft, right? I'm going after love. Then then people say that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, came out basically and said and, and showed. Now he, well, he said it first and now he's showing it. Man, he has a chip on his shoulder. He's playing different. He's playing different, and he looks good, right? Um, he doesn't have the full complement. He hasn't had for the course of the season his full complement of weapons. But when once he got Devontae Adams back, man, he, he started really showing out, and he is showing out, right? He's playing extremely well, um, and, and they look good. Adams looks good right now. Um, he's out near nearing 1,000 yards on receiving, only having played nine games. You're looking at this team. They use their running backs very well, right? Um, this team looks good. You know? They look like they look tough. They look tough, but they show one major flaw. One major flaw that I see with this team is um, your weapons outside of Adams. Your weapons outside of Adams, and your weapons outside of your running backs and outside of Adams. He has done a pretty decent job of empowering those guys, but they have let him down in critical moments. And if you have a, a you know one big chink in, in the Packers' armor, it's that, right? They remind me of a team that has one big weapon that you have to find out how to stop. And once you shut the, shut that person down, then you can kind of you know go from there. Now, yes, they went in the beginning of the year and beat that Saints team um, without without Adams, right? The question is later on in the season when when teams you know when defenses are now a little bit more cohesive. Can they go in and beat a team if a team figures out a way to shut down Adams? 
Yeah, that's always it. It, it amazes me because, again, outside of Devontae Adams, I mean, Alan, Liz, Alan Lazard, when he's been uh, healthy, he's been effective, but he's been bitten by the injury bug. Mark, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's played in sprint spots this year. So it, it's going to be interesting with Green Bay. One more thing about Green Bay. Let's just say that if the Saints – remain consistent, but Green Bay somehow gets the number one seed in the NFC, and teams have to travel to Lambeau in January. How big would be? How big would that be for the Packers? Um, it would be pretty big if that's the case, right? Um, I'm, I don't know what the NFL is going to do. I'm hearing rumors of a possible bubble um, for the NFL, and if there is some type of bubble where they all kind of gather in one location, then home field advantage won't matter. So um, the question is, will they, you know, do the NBA bubble type situation for the playoffs only, um, or will they not? And if they choose not to, and if you notice right now there's a bunch of cases of COVID breaking out, that Ravens game got played on a Wednesday afternoon because of, you know, COVID breakout, Right. Denver played without a quarterback because of COVID violations. COVID could seriously impact what the playoffs look like. So um, for a lot of teams, you've been hearing, hey, it doesn't matter who's, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth. It doesn't matter. It only matters that you make it because they'll possibly be in a bubble. Number one, that number one seed does matter, though, because you get that bye because now we have seven teams in the playoffs. But at the same time, if they're not having to travel to Lambeau, then you won't see it. Now, if they are traveling to Lambeau, then, yeah, you're right. It's going to be a situation. And the reason it will be a situation is because does your quarterback have the same arm that Aaron Rodgers has in the snow? If he does not, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> it's going to be a different situation, right? Um, what about your running game? How well is it, How good is your running game? If your running game is great, you can go in there and compete and possibly beat this Packers team. But if your running game suffers um, and you have to rely on your passing game and your passing game is going up against Aaron Rodgers and his passing game, you might be in trouble. And this is, that's what it is. You're definitely right about that. We'll touch more on the um, the possible bubble in just a moment. Let's continue with the teams that have made uh, a mark in the first half of the year. The Pittsburgh Steelers, as this interview was Aaron Rick, they remain the only undefeated team in the NFL. The Steelers have played great. I think the Steelers, and this is this is just me. I think they're the the most balanced team. In the AFC, uh, offensively, uh, again, Ben Roethlisberger, you can make the case for him as an MVP candidate, also comeback player of the year. Running back, they've been solid. You know, James Conner, he's operated in spurts. Uh, Benny Snell Jr. has been effective. But, man, those receivers have been great with Juju Smith-Schuster. Also, you've got Deontay Johnson, James Washington. How about Chase Claypool? He's been great as well. Defensively, uh, T.J. Watt is a stud. He's going to be a pro bowler. But uh, tough break on the Steelers defense with Bud Dupree, who most likely is going to be out for the year for tearing the ACL. Uh, give me your thoughts on uh, Pittsburgh in the first half. Man, they do look great. Um, they do look great, but let me say this. Yesterday they looked very vulnerable. They looked vulnerable. They looked like a team that could be had. Um, but at the same time, do they look dangerous? Yes, you mentioned on Chase Claypool. Nobody really expected this guy to come out and do what he's done. Nobody expected him to come in and be that type of a matchup nightmare, but he has been a matchup nightmare. Actually, he leads um, he leads that team in receiving yards over Juju Smith-Schuster. 
right? Because he's been that much of a threat. And so he's been really good. Um, you you talk, you you're right. You mentioned and look, golly, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith Schuster, um, Chase Claypool, right? And James Washington, let's not forget him. And so you look at that team and they look good. Um, you mentioned the running backs, right? James Conner, when he's able to play, great, right? But when he's not, Snell comes in and does a phenomenal job. Yesterday, he almost bullied that Ravens team in the latter half of that game. And so um, I'm going to say this, though. That game was too close, and it showed me that that Steelers team can be had. Trace McSorley almost bought that Ravens team a victory yesterday. They almost bought that Ravens team a victory. That's problematic. Right? That's problematic if Trace McSorley can almost bring you um, into near victory um, against a team that's undefeated. So that team does show um, some chinks in their armor. Um, at the end of the day, though, I believe that they, you know, they're definitely going to be one of those teams that you have to pay attention to. There's only one team, there's a team within one game of them that's a little scary. We'll talk about that, I'm, I'm sure. But that Steelers team does look great. The defense looks great. You did mention the loss that they took. It did take a loss of Bud Dupree. Um, but Man, when they brought in the Mika Fitzpatrick last year, I thought um, it wasn't going to be that huge of a deal. But, my God, Minka came in and really um, did some wonders for that passing defense. He continues to be a playmaker for them. They look good, man, um, and, and they do look complete. And, you know, you know, shout-out to them, man. Shout-out to them and what they're, what they're doing. I want to see what they look like um, later on in the year. But it seems like they'll only get better with time. And, and shout-out to Big Ben, still doing his thing. Absolutely. Shout out to Big Ben and also shout out to Mike Tomlin, who is definitely going to be a candidate for uh, head coach of the year. Definitely got to give him some props as well. Also, let's move along now to, of course, the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs. They're one game behind Pittsburgh for the number one seat in the AFC. Kansas City, of course, uh, Patrick Mahomes is an MVP candidate. Travis Kelsey, also Tyreek Hill. Man, offensively, they picked up right where they left off at. But, man, when they added Clyde Edwards-Elaire and Le'Veon Bell, Oh man, that it, they that offense went to another level and then some. I mean, Kansas City has picked up right where they left off. At the only concern, this is a concern for me. Again, just like last year, defensively, their defense is solid. They play in spurts. They make plays when they have to, but it's not a dominant defense. But they got Mahomes in that offense. So, give me a take on Kansas City in the first half. Man. What they did, <laughs> what they've been doing lately, ridiculous. Man, this this Kansas City Chiefs team is they they have the makings of a dynasty, man. They just have the makings of an absolute dynasty. You look at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has been stellar. He's been stellar as of late. Um, leading the league in passing yards right now. Um, Clyde Edwards Elaire is another guy who's been great. You mentioned him. And him coming out of LSU and off that great year he had last year, I knew that kid would come in and do well with this Kansas City Chiefs team. If you remember what Kareem Hunt did um, when he came in, and ironically, Clyde Edwards Elaire is only a few yards behind Kareem Hunt right now. Um, as far as rushing yards are concerned this season. Right now, Edwards Hilaire is 10th in, in the league in rushing. He's been doing well, averaging 4.6 yards per carry. Um, he does have to not split carries with Le'Veon Bell, but at the same time, he's still very, very effective in it, and it does do well for him right now while he's you know, still learning and becoming a serious part of this offense. Andy Reid 
is is remarkable, man. Andy Reid is great. Um, and Andy is kind of reaching into that upper echelon of coaches, man. Um, he's already kind of been amongst those conversations, but right now you're gonna have to start mentioning him. Uh, I don't. He's not a Belichick, but you're gonna have to start mentioning him at least um, beyond that Sean Payton range. Um, you look at him. What is it? Four right now. They're leading the league in offensive yards, right? Um, they're second in the league in points um, scored per game, 31.6 points. They are looking great, man, and they're looking like a team that is going to be tough to deal with, especially now getting Sammy Watkins back, right? So now they have Sammy back. Um, you got to figure out what you're going to do with him, and that just allows the cheetah to run free. And what you're going to do with the cheetah, man, it's going to be tough, right? If McCole Harmon gets his hands together, he could be dangerous too. So you look at look at this team, man, and they are very – very, very scary. Um, and they remind me of that the, the last year's Super Bowl run, right? But with a better running game. And, and that's just scary for the rest of the league. And you know what else is scary, too? Uh, Eric Bieniemy. he's been a big part of that, that Kansas City run as well as their offensive coordinator. I know a lot of teams are definitely going to have been gunning for him, and definitely a lot of teams are definitely going to be pursuing him whenever the season is over with. So Kansas City making strides in the first half of the year. Now, talk about the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee played Kansas City in last year's AFC Championship at Arrowhead. Again, Tennessee picking up right where they left off last year. At the moment, Derrick Henry is the league's leading rusher. The offense begins and ends with him, but Ryan Tannehill is proving that he is worth that high that that high draft pick from several seasons back. Uh, Tennessee's offense to me is very underrated. We know about Derrick Henry, we know about Ryan Tannehill, but also you know AJ Brown and Corey Davis and Johnu Smith. They've played well this year, but they've been under the radar. Tennessee's defense has been solid as well. Tennessee is one of those teams that can you know, cause problems. You you don't expect them to do much, but when you play them, they always bring it. Give me your thoughts on the Titans in the first half. Um, before I hop into that, I want to, um, you know, add on to your statement about the enemy. I believe the enemy is a, um, is a head coach next year. If he's not, something's extremely wrong. Like, I'm, I'm, I'll start there before I hop into the Tennessee thing. Um, Tennessee, ah, golly, man, last year they shocked the world by coming in and just running over people. And remember, um, the biggest question is, whatever success that you have, can that success hold up in December? Can it hold up in January, right? That's the biggest question, and that's going to be the question this year too. Can it hold up? And if it can hold up, then we're looking at something here. And they have the making of a team that can hold up. What you're starting to see here right now is A.J. Brown starting to get loose. He's starting to warm up. And everybody was wondering, where was he, right? They expected so much from him in the beginning of the season. But right now, as of late, he's starting to warm up and starting to show something. Corey Davis has been pretty effective the entire year. They actually, right now, they're combined for over 1,200 yards. But Corey Davis has really been doing his thing. He's been looking pretty good, right? Um, This team is like, it's a tough team to deal with. That's the passing. That's the passing alone. Right now you get to rushing and you know what the deal is. There's a monster, right? There's a beast. Derrick Henry, he's leading the league in, in rushing right now, 1,257 yards. He's doing his thing, right? Um, and, and he's somebody you have to deal with. This team, you, you mentioned them being surprising on offense, and they are surprising to some people on offense. Right now they're number five in the league with points allowed. I mean, I'm sorry, with points. 
Offensive points, 29.5 points uh, per In rushing yards, they're second in the league, 158.2. They look great. Um, and the thing that makes them look so scary is the fact that they can hold on to this. This is a winning formula for them. They showed you that last season. They're going to show you that again. This is a winning formula for them. Give the ball to Derrick Henry. Let him do his thing. And when you need it, right, Tannehill's there for you. You did mention him being worth that first pick on that first round pick. Um, he's been showing, you know what? It was the system. Adam Gates was the problem. It wasn't me. I'm I'm okay. And, and he's been showing that. Uh, and it looks good. He looks good in the Titans. Um, they look like they're, they're going to be contenders again. And the question is, can they overcome um, the Chiefs? Will they be able to overcome teams in their in their way? Will they be able to overcome the Steelers? Um, I think so, actually. I think they can beat those Steelers, but we'll talk about that another time. Tennessee is always one of those teams, you know, when when, <laughs> when as the weather gets colder, they colder, they seem to just play much better. Tennessee again, they they turned heads last year when they beat New England and Baltimore in the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting when January rolls around. I want to before we talk about another team, if you see Bieniemy becoming a coach next year, where do you see him landing at? That's a good question, man. There's a lot of teams who um, can use a guy like him. Oh, man, um, there's a few different spots that I think would be good. Look, if – if <laughs> oh, man, the Jets could be a spot. I'll say that. The Jets could be a spot. Um, I mentioned Gates earlier. I think he should go. The Jets could be a spot for him. Um, where else could he go? I don't know about – I don't know how the Bears feel about – I could see Jacksonville as a spot. I can see that other spot. Um, I can possibly see um, the Bears in the spot. The Giants look like they're they're struggling a lot. Everybody in the East looks like a candidate right now, right? Um, but I don't think Mike. I think McCarthy is good for at least one more season, so I think he's okay. Um, but there's some spots um, in the NFC East for sure um, because the the play there is ridiculously horrible, and they they somebody needs to make a splash. I think the enemy could be the splash that some of those teams need. I could see him possibly going back to the West Coast, maybe Denver or the Chargers. He used to play for the Chargers, so I think it, those are nice uh, spots for him. Man, those Chargers look like they have um, a, pr- a pretty solid foundation in place. I would hate for him to go to the Chargers, actually. They look like um, a team that could actually do well with uh, with the return of some of their stars, right? Um so I think give them – I want to give the Chargers another season before you, you, you know, put BNME in there um, because it looks like they're they're doing at least okay. Um, right now, in off- on offense alone, right, um, they're already number three in offense as far as yards are concerned, 397.8. They they look they, – they're okay, right? They just got their starting quarterback. Um, Herbert looks good. I, I would say give that team some time before you take that spot. That's my that's my thoughts though. I don't I don't I don't want to see him there yet. But um hmm. in some other places I can see him taking over. Okay, all right. Well, let's move along now to the Buffalo Bills. You know, uh, Rick, I, I know growing up, I, I, I remember growing up very vividly between the mid '80s and even in much of the '90s, the Buffalo Bills 
were always on television. The Buffalo Bills, you know, with Jim Kelly and a K-Gun offense with Andre Reid and James Lofton, Kenneth Davis. Also, you had, of course, on the defensive side with Bruce Smith and Cornelius Bennett. And it just, uh, you know, a, a ton of great stars on those Buffalo teams during those eras. And Buffalo, for the moment as this interview is airing, they're in first place in the AFC East. They're 8-3. and three. Josh Allen... Is, is great for that squad. Stephon Diggs with, with the trade from Minnesota going to Buffalo, that's paid off big dividends. Uh, offensively, they're great with John Brown and Cole Beasley. Defensively, they're great with the likes of Ed Oliver and, of course, uh, Tredavious White. So Buffalo, it, it's refreshing to see Buffalo winning again. I, I like to see Buffalo winning again. It's been a while since they've been a consistent winner. Give me your thoughts on Buffalo in the first half of the year. I like Buffalo. A lot. I like Buffalo a lot. Um, they look great, right? They they look like a team that can definitely challenge. The question is, will they be that spot for the Steelers? The Steelers have to go to Buffalo in a few weeks, and they're going to have to face that team in Buffalo. And the question is, can they be the team to knock off the Steelers? One answer to that question is, I believe so. I believe they can be. Um, you look at Buffalo, and some people – only look at him as, hey, you know what? He's a good um, football player. He's a great football player. That's what I've heard constantly. He's a good football player, but he's not quite the best quarterback. Well, the the stats tell a little bit of a different story, right? And no, he's not always – his ball isn't always beautiful. The accuracy isn't always there. Um, but if you look at the way he dominates at the goal line, that's ridiculous. But in the passing stats, right, you look at that, He's still, right now, number seven in the league in passing, over 3,000 yards passing right now. He has Stephon Diggs in the upper echelon of of, um, wide receivers, too. Some people thought Stephon Diggs would take a step back um, with Josh Allen as his quarterback. He has it. Actually, he's number six in the league in receiving yards right now. So if you look at that, this team can compete. Where I'm a little concerned about um, is that rushing attack, right? Singletary is good at times. Um, Moss is somebody who they, they hyped up in the beginning of the season. Sometimes you see him um, being affected, sometimes you don't. It looks like Josh Allen is their main running back and their main quarterback. Um, and, and that could be, you know, a little bit concerning at times. Um, but, you know, still they have Smokey Brown. He's doing his thing um, not as effectively as he was last year. It seems like he's taking a bit of a back seat at any point. And so you look at this Bills team, they look good. They look like a team that will definitely, you know, continue to compete. I remember those days, too. I remember vividly um, those days of Thurman Thomas and, and that team, man, and they were really good. Uh, this Bills team reminds me of some new age version of that, but the quarterback is the Thurman Thomas. <laughs> Yeah, how could I forget, man, Thurman, Thurman Thomas, man. How could I forget about Thurman Thomas, man? He was uh, solid, and he was great in his own right, a Hall of Famer. So, yeah, Buffalo definitely doing their thing. up. It's great to see uh, winning again in, in whopping Western New York. All right, I want to talk about oh, yeah. now the, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Cleveland's 8-3. They're, they're, for the moment, they have a wild card spot. I, I don't know. The, the jury's still out on Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield's been effective. For the most part this year, Odell gets hurt. Jarvis Landry's played nicely. Defensively, Cleveland's played well. But what about the running backs with Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt? Give me a take on Cleveland in the first half. 
Bro, I thought Cleveland was headed for more mediocrity. I thought they were headed for another forgettable season at first, right? Losing um, Odell Beckham, I thought that was going to be really tough for them. But Jarvis Landry has stepped up, and you've been seeing the target monster he used to be when he was in Miami. He's looked good. And, and look, they call him Juice for a reason, but that dude has really been showing out. But he hasn't been the story of this team. The story of this team is really their rushing attack. Look, they made an investment in Kareem Hunt. Do you remember Kareem Hunt was in trouble? He got in trouble in, in, with the Kansas City Chiefs, and everybody knew, like, oh, man, uh, you know, it, it's tough for that young man, right? He gets picked up by Cleveland, and last year he didn't really show much. Oh, well, over the course of the offseason, he started to, you know, get into his playbook. He started really doing his thing. I didn't expect him to have a great season, but now – He's really showing out. And when Nick Chubb went down, he stepped up. And so now you have two running backs, two running backs in the top ten, in top ten of rushing right now. Um, Nick Chubb is at six, and Kareem Hunt's at nine. They are leading the league in rushing per game right now with 161.4 yards per game. This team is is something that can that can be a threat. They can hold on. This can hold up. This can hold up in December. Even if even if Jarvis Landry, you know, has to operate as that look main um you know, main guy, they still have guys at the tight end position who they haven't even started putting into the offense yet. Right? Like you haven't really started to see their effectiveness in the in the offense yet. This team has some weapons, they have a formula and don't forget about Garrett, right? They have a defense that can really do something, you know, when, when, you know, push comes to shove. So the question is, can they hold up in December? The answer is, oh, yeah, they can hold up because if you, if it's based on that running game and not based on Baker, and Baker's been okay, but if it's not based on Baker, it's based on the, the effectiveness of this running game, they're going to be a scary situation. you got a one-two punch like that, man, that, that's the problem. Definitely. I mean, Chubb and Hunt, that's probably like the best running back tandem currently in the league right now. And again, similar to Buffalo, yeah. it's always great to see It's always great to see Cleveland winning again. I remember those years back with Bernie Kosar and Ozzie Newsom and people like that watching, being watching them on television. It was great to see Cleveland winning, and it's great to see Cleveland winning again. It's always great, not just a similar, it's a similar situation with Buffalo, so it's good to see the Browns winning again. And speaking of seeing another franchise winning again, and the Miami Dolphins sit at seven and four at the moment. Uh, the uh, Tua Tagovailoa uh, was the replacement for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, Tua was effective in two games. He suffers an injury in the game against Denver. Fitzmagic comes back in, and they won their last game. So. Um, I mentioned about Mike Tomlin being a coach of the year candidate. We got to put Brian Flores in there as well. Uh, give me your thoughts on Miami in the first half. Man, you didn't know last year that they were revving up for something, right? When when everybody thought they were tanking and they were playing their hearts out and, and Fitzpatrick was going there and leading that squad through the muck and mire of whatever last season was, nobody uh, uh, thought that this was going to be a team that was going to really show out the following year. They have been doing great. They've been holding that number two spot um, in, in their division for a minute now. They've been holding right on to that spot, um, and, and they're still right there. They're only one game behind the Buffalo Bills. They're in second place in the AFC East, and they look like a team um, that could upset some people later on in the year. Now the question is, 
what does their running game look like? And I don't see it there for real. It's, it's not, you know, tremendous. Um, but they still find a way to win because of the phenomenalness. I'm, I'm going to use that word. Because of the awesomeness of their defense. Their defense is great, man. Um, right now they're sixth in the AFC with a 7-4 and four record. They look like a team that could truly go up against anybody ahead of them. I don't know if they're prepped to beat a team like the Chiefs. I do know they're right there to go up against a team like the Titans. They can beat the Bills in a one-on-one contest. They can beat the Browns in a one-on-one contest. Um, and I believe if that Steelers team that showed up against the Ravens shows up against the Dolphins, they could get had too. The question is, who leads the chip? Who's going to be the guy at the helm? Is it going to be Tua? Whenever he's there, yes, they are. They're still winning. But, man, he doesn't do it with the same amount of flair as a, as a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitz has – they love him. Hands down, they love him, and they play their hearts and souls, souls out for him. I, I think – I don't know if it's Tua time yet. I, I, I know, you know you go to Tua, but I don't know. Um, at the end of the day, I think Ryan may be the better choice right now. I'm at the quarterback spot. Uh, and I kind of want to see him take over. And if he does, then I think this team will have a jolt of energy going into the latter half of the season. Well, you know, uh, Rick, I'm pretty sure you heard it, but Coach uh, uh, Brian Flores had said that his reasoning for starting Tua, he said Tua looked great in practice and was running well. So yeah. that was his yeah. reasoning for starting uh, Tua. But I don't know. I mean, Fitzmagic, uh, uh, Ryan has come in the last games, and, and he's really played well. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned to that. But anyway, Miami's currently in the wild card spot for one of the wild card spots for the moment. I know Jay Stevens is going to kill me for this. It wasn't a bad move, though. Nope, wasn't it wasn't a bad move at all. You're absolutely right. It wasn't no, a bad move to put Tua in there. It wasn't a bad move. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right about that. Now, uh-huh. No, no, I'm saying I say you're right. It wasn't a bad move to put Tua in there at all. I think that was the right move. But it was also the right move, um, hey look, once he starts struggling a little bit and then there's the injury to go ahead and put Fitzpatrick back in there, um, and golly when he's in there, he looks so good, man. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Now, I know uh, Jay Stevens is going to kill me on this one, but the next one is the Indianapolis Colts. I've, I always say Indianapolis, and you could probably put Tennessee in there. They're probably one of the most boring, exciting teams in the league. People pay attention <laughs> to Tennessee because they have the run, they have the running back. But Indianapolis, I mean, if you, I mean, with the exception of maybe T.Y. Hilton and Phillip Rivers. Now, Indianapolis, again, they, they play, I always say they have grindy games. Their games are never pretty, but they, they find ways to win. And, you know, Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's played great this year. You could put him in there for the comeback player of the year. Uh, Running-wise, there's Naeem Hines, there's Jonathan Taylor, and, and people like that. But defensively, they are so good with the likes of, you know, Darius Leonard and also uh, um, uh, Justin Houston and people like that, give me, and Xavier Rhodes. Uh, give me a take on the Colts in the first half of the year. The Colts have looked great on defense at times, um, and they really look great on defense when they when they needed to. You've seen this Colts team at, at some point be the number one defense in the league. Like, they were, they were really up there. They were doing really well. Um, they've kind of come back to earth a little bit in the last in the last few weeks. Rivers has has done a good job of leading this team. You're right; they're a very boring team to watch. Um, it's because we're not seeing the same explosive plays that we're used to seeing with 
you know, their quarterback, whoever it is, um, linking up with T.Y. Hilton. Hilton used to be that guy. I'm talking about the type of guy who when, um, you know, he's going down the field, you know, he's going long, deep touchdowns. That made that team a highlight real type of team. Um, but now you don't see that as much. You see a, a more controlled passing game. They are going to Naheem, uh, Naheem Hines, uh, Hines a lot more. Um, sometimes Jonathan Taylor's in there and then he's out, right? Um, you look at this team, and I, I want to say the litmus test for me was them going up against um, that Packers team and them winning that game. I thought that was a that showed me a lot. It showed me a lot from this team, um, and, and I think that matters, right? You look at a team like the the Colts; they can go toe to toe with almost anybody because they have a defense that can do that. And with a team that has that type of um, that type of defense. Man, it can matter later on. Yes, they're boring. Um, no, they're not exciting. Um, but Philip Rivers is still effective. He's nearing 3,000 yards passing as well. So you look at this team, I say at the end of the day, will shock some people. I think they can beat almost anybody in front of them because they have that defense. The question is, what's going to happen at the end of the day uh, with Philip Rivers? Can he hold up? Can he sustain for the rest of the season? He looks like he's on his way down a little bit too. All right, let's move along now to two teams I want to mention in that tough NFC West, the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. I had an interview recently with the Rams team reporter, Serena Morales, and I mentioned this to Serena, and I'll mention this to you. To me, the Los Angeles Rams have been the Rodney Dangerfield of the NFL this year. They've, they've gotten no respect. No one's really respected them, but defensively, they're one of the best. We talk about the Saints. And we talk about Tennessee, and we talk about the Colts, but the Rams are like have a top one of the top in the Steelers, but the Rams are like in the top five in the league in, in defense. We know what Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are capable of, of, capable of, but a lot of guys have stepped up on defensively and offensively. The Rams have been explosive. Jared Goff, uh, the, the nice running back tandem they have with Henderson, Akers, and Brown. Uh, wide receivers, uh, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. It's just a, a, a ton of uh, firepower on offense. The Rams haven't gotten their respect. And we could put, I want, and the Cardinals as well. Kyler Murray, you could put him in there for the MVP candidate. Is, candidate as of MPP race as well. So a lot of great ball being played in Arizona right now. Give me your take on the Rams and Cardinals in the first half. I'll say this. Um, let's start off with the Rams. When you look at the Rams team, Sean McVay, you can't ever count out Sean McVay. Let's just start there. Don't ever count out Sean McVay and the creativeness of that team. It wasn't. We're not too far removed from them being a Super Bowl team. Right? We're definitely not too far removed from that, and this year they're showing some signs of that again. They have a guy like Ramsey. you got to pay attention to them on defense. Right now they are number two in the league in total defense, right, and yards are allowed anyway. You look at that team, they're only allowing 297.7 um, yards per game. They're still rushing defense-wise. They're right there too. Um, they're number four in the league right now. And then in passing, they're number three. This team is, uh, man, they're a legit contender. They're legit contender. Whether you respect them or not, um, you how can you not respect Aaron Donald? How can you not respect Aaron <laughs> Donald? Um, him leading right. that charge, right? He's at the top. He's look what number two in the league in sacks from the defensive tackle position. He's a defensive tackle. He's number two in the league in sacks. He has double digit sacks from the defensive tackle position. How can you not respect that? 
You wild if you don't respect that, or at least don't give that some credence. Man, this team is great. You mentioned all the offensive weapons, right? You're absolutely right with that. This team is one that you have to pay attention to, um, and and one that can go up and and knock off anybody ahead of them too, right? That Rams team is definitely one that can knock off anybody, um, but they do lose some respect times because of the way um, things go, right? Um, if if you can lose to, it depends on who you're losing to. And when you're losing, and some of that stuff matters, man, I'm not going to lie to you, and, and it shapes the way people think about this Rams team. Some games that they lost, they should have won, and it's as simple as that. Um, but if you go back and you look at the um, the Cardinals, you mentioned the Cardinals. They're in that playoff race too right now. They're number seven. Thank God for that seven spot, right? Um, but they're in that seven spot at, with a six and five record. Murray does look great at times. Golly, he looks so good. He looks like um, he's definitely an uh, MVP candidate. He looks like a smaller, shorter version of Russell Wilson at times, but faster, a lot faster. Some people say he's the human joystick. I don't know if you remember the human joystick um, playing quarterback. Yeah, Dante right? Hall. Huh? That's we, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he looks like Dante Hall at the quarterback spot. <laughs> Um, when he gets into the open field, he's remarkable. And then pairing him um, with one of the absolute best in the league as far as wide receiver is concerned, that's what you pair him with? Man, you're looking at a, a team that's ridiculous. Him getting DeAndre Hopkins was, golly, what a gift, right? And it's really um, it's really made his maturity – well, I'm sorry, it's really um, bolted him into um, into an upper echelon of quarterbacks in the league, in my opinion. He looks great. That team looks good. The question is, why are they losing some of these games that they're losing, right? If you look at this this team, it seems to me that they are, um, even in the game that they won, right, even in some of the games that they win, they're winning in in the last few moments. What about this team is holding them back from being uh, as good as they can be? If you look offensively, it's not offensive, right? Offensively, they're doing well. They're right now number two in the league as far as uh, yards are concerned. They're doing well um, offensively. The question is, can that defense hold up consistently? And can this Arizona team be a team that is scary later on? Um, You get flashes. You get flashes from their running game. But their running game isn't constantly there. It's just not there, especially what people thought they would get from Drake. Everybody thought, fantasy football people thought Drake was going to be that dude this year. Right? He's had to come out publicly and say, Hey, hold on guys, hold on, you know. You know, I'm gonna get it together, you know, don't don't leave me just yet. Y'all pay for it later, whatever. We haven't really seen it from Drake. Sometimes you see it from Drake and sometimes you don't. So the running game has been held like up by Murray. Man, I am gonna need a little bit more, um, from from this team going forward. Um, I don't know. I, I like Arizona. Um I'm on the fence about them beating some of the upper echelon teams in the NFC. All right, and those are uh, some of the teams that have made an impact in the first half of the season. Now, Rick, the teams, we've discussed the teams that have made an impact. Now we've got to discuss the teams that have not made an impact in the first half of the year. Let me just start off with the NFC East, not just the Giants, all of them. Giants, Cowboys, Washington, Philly, the whole NFC East, or as they call it, the NFC East. I mean, it has been well, it's it, the NFC East. Is, it growing up, and you remember this very well, Rick. The NFC East was like the toughest division 
in in the NFL with the Giants and Cowboys and Washington and Philly. That was upper echelon, but within almost the last six, seven years, it's just it hasn't been the same. The Giants for the moment are four and seven, and then Washington's four and seven. Philly's three seven and one. Dallas is three and eight. It's just been drama from start to finish in that division. Uh, the Giants, uh, Saquon Barkley, done for the year. Uh, Daniel Jones is hurt at the moment. Um, Washington, uh, Dwayne Haskins started off as the starting starting quarterback. Was benched for Kyle, for Kyle Allen. I was very upset about that, but that's another story for another day. Uh, Kyle Allen gets hurt. Alex Smith comes in, who I think will win Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, defensively, Washington looks great. Um, uh, Dallas. Dak, we know about him, done for the year. Uh, Andy Dalton had issues with the concussion and COVID. And defensively, they just can't get it together. McCarthy, Mike McCarthy's not getting it together. And Philly, I mean, Carson Wentz has really regressed. This, we know the talent that he has, but he's regressed. And defensively, they can't get it done. Just give me your thoughts on the NFC East as a whole. Pitiful. Horrible. <laughs> uh <laughs> I mean, if you look at if you look at the team, but at the same time, they're still trying. You know, they're they're not completely done yet. Uh, you hate to see Daniel Jones go out because that Giants team looked like they were starting to get their get their bearings about him. Evan Ingram started to come alive just recently, and you started to watch this team look like they're starting to do something right. Wayne Goldman is starting to come alive a little bit, and so that Giants team looks like one that can you know try to come around a little bit. Um, the Eagles, golly man, I. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought the Eagles were going to be dangerous a little bit. Um, if if you put any faith in Deshaun Jackson, maybe you're a fool. Uh, and I played that fool. I thought I thought um, that, you know, him, um, along with Jalen Rager, getting him in the fold, I thought having Alshon Jeffrey and him, I thought he would be, you know, healthy by this point in the season and then effective by this point in the season. And you thought, hey, man, maybe this Eagles team can put something together and, you know, at least win the, win the NFC East. Why not? But they seem to have come, I mean, golly, they just can't get it together. Washington um, is one where I, saw, I heard you, you know, mention you were mad about Haskins. Um, but Alex Smith has come in, and, and he's done well for this team. Gibson has come out of nowhere, and he's been an effective running back. This team, you know, they're, they're starting to get their bearings about him, and, and maybe we'll see something um, from them moving forward. Right now they're number two in the NFC East, and I don't know. Some people say five games may win this division. Well, look, all these teams at the bottom of every standing, almost all of them, right? You look at Washington, you look at total um, total yards, Aaron Washington's really at the bottom, um, Philly's at the bottom, the Giants are at the bottom. All these, these teams are, are horrible. The question is how can they get better in the future? Um, they all seem to have, you know, something something there but a lot missing. And so Washington needs consistency at the quarterback position, but they also need weapons on the outside, right? Um, the Giants need a, a much better defense. The Cowboys really, um, I know they need defense, but they need Ezekiel Elliott to come alive. My God, bro, where are you? What are you doing? Why are you fumbling all the time? What's happening with you? Like, who are you right now? Are you missing Dak? Like, what's up? I'm 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 concerned. Very. Um, they have weapons on that team, but I don't see them on. That's why they're still, you know, in the upper half of the league in offensive yards because they have weapons. But God, it's going to be tough. You know, I, I know they're missing that quarterback, but still. Um, but in Philly, man, 
defensively, they they do pretty okay. But what's going on with their offense? I just don't know. Um, Miles Sanders, I'm, I'm waiting for him to really, you know, show up and show out consistently. I don't know, man. There's so many issues in the NFC. At the end of the day, um, the question is, can somebody just please, you know, win more than six games or win at least six games and then, um, you know, go ahead and do your first round playoff exit and call it a day? It's funny that you mentioned the Eagles and the offense, man. Philadelphia in the 2019 draft, they passed on DK Metcalf. And in this year's draft, they had an opportunity to get Justin Jefferson. They wound up getting Jalen Hurts, man. When I saw that, I was like, ooh, what a waste of a draft pick. But it never left that further. <laughs> I mean, it was. I'm sorry. I saw that. I was like, well, why would they draft him? And it got Carson Wentz. Justin Jefferson was still available. Yep. But, my God, what a waste of a draft pick. You're right, bro. You're absolutely right. Um, they had opportunity after opportunity to shore up um, this this uh, offense, and they just missed it, thinking that they had at least what they needed because they held on to a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, thinking that, you know, they're going to see signs of that old Alshon who was you know, a big part of that playoff run and that Super Bowl run. When they won it, he was a big major part of it, and he's still on the roster so that maybe thinking, hey, maybe he's going to come alive. Getting Jalen Rager, they thought, hey, we have a guy here, but we don't need extra guys, right? But, golly, you sure did because J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is not the um, Adam Thielen light you thought he was going to be. So they, they made some bad decisions, um, you know, and, and I don't know when they'll they'll turn that around. All right, let's move along now to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The hype was real when Tom Brady signed the uh, two-year contract with the Buccaneers. This is year one in the Brady era. Of course, Bruce Arians is the head coach. A lot has happened. Uh, Gronk, uh, Brady was able to get uh, Gronkowski out of retirement, and the hype really got real. And then the hype really got real when they added Antonio Brown. So Tampa Bay at the moment sits at 7-5. and five. They're a wild-card team, but the expectations were extremely high for them. Now, granted, we know 2020 has been a, a hellacious year, not just in, in the world, but just particularly in sports in general, but I expected so much out of Tampa Bay. I knew the Saints were going were gonna to bring it this year, but man, Tampa, I mean, the, the hype was real. Give me your thoughts on Tampa in the first half. Um, you're right. It was a lot of hype. Um, they came in. Everybody thought, hey, you know what? Tom Brady's putting together a juggernaut in um in down in Tampa Bay, Florida. I actually thought, to be honest with you, going to pick up Leonard Fournette was gonna be a much bigger, more impactful move than anything because I didn't know Ronald Jones was about to explode like that. I saw a little bit I saw some signs of it at the end of last season, but I really didn't know that he was gonna become like, you know, some type of Man, he's in that. That's what he's been looking like lately. Um, he's been doing playing very well, way better than Leonard Fournette. Um, in that offense, you go out. And, well, here's the thing: you go out and you add on an AB to Mike Evans and Godwin, right? Um, golly, they look almost unstoppable. They, I'm, I'm not even mentioning some of the names that they have on this team. I haven't even talked about Gronk yet. So you look at the squad and you're like, and then plus him with OJ Howard, it was it's a roster made in heaven. We've been here before. I don't know if you remember the dream team in Philadelphia where everybody thought that it was going to be – it was Mike Vick and it was Deshaun Jackson. Um, they had LaShawn McCoy, too, so he's been a part of two of these rosters. Um, they they had – Jeremy Macklin. It was going to be a dream team. 
Yeah, Macklin. Um, they also had um, Vince Young backing up, um, <laughs> backing up Mike Vick. You look at that team there, but I'm like, oh my God, they went out and got uh, what? Um, golly, I forgot. Uh, Olivia from, I forgot. Uh, golly, it was a cornerback from from Oakland. They brought over to to Philly. But oh, uh, uh, Namdi Asamoa. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they brought him over, right? And they thought, man, this is going to be the year. This is, this is the, the dream team. And, you know, that, that didn't really pan out. This may not be that. There's a little bit more um, here with this Tampa Bay team. Right now they're number one in the league in rushing defense, and that really holds up. They haven't Dominican Sue there. Um, they have some. They have a pretty decent defensive line. Uh, they have some weapons there. And if you look at their back end, they, they look pretty good. They're pretty okay against the pass as well. So this team could be um, finding their way, right? They could be finding, figuring out how to do this. I don't know if you remember um, that Miami Heat team when they first got together, they had to kind of figure it out. This team could be one of those teams that's kind of figuring it out. Maybe they'll be a little bit more scary towards the um, latter half of this season. We're already kind of very close to that, right? Maybe in a few weeks we see a little bit more from this team, but I don't know, man. They have some some big flaws. Mike Evans isn't really taking over like he should. A lot of people from Mike Evans, um, because of what we've seen in the past, he's been so dominant at times. Now it doesn't look like he's as dominant. Um, it seems like the team that needs to kind of think about who they're relying on and giving the ball to a lot more. And if they funnel their offense a little bit more through Ronald Jones, I think that could be very helpful. He's been extremely, extremely effective. Um, he needs to be a guy that they give feed the ball to a little bit more. Um, Antonio Brown, I'm expecting a little bit more from him as the year progresses. Just like with Gronk, in the beginning of the year, Gronk seemed like he was nowhere as part of his offense. He had no impact on the offense at all. But lately, Gronk has been kind of, you know, at least contributing and contributing more and looking a lot more fluid, getting his legs under him. Antonio Brown already looks explosive. The question is, is he fully there yet, right, in football shape? It's been a while since he's played, and he's kind of getting back into football shape. I say give this team, if they don't look good in another, you know, two weeks, like if they don't look great in another two weeks, then this will be another one of those big name, no results type of stories. Um, but if they start to kind of pick up some steam toward the latter half of the year, I mean, in the next, I want to say maybe the next two weeks, then you're looking at a team that could be a very scary matchup for anybody in the NFC. I mean, I'm sorry, for anybody in the NFC. All right, well, we have to stay tuned for for Tampa, man. Definitely have so much hype and so much expectations with them. All right, let's move on now to the Chicago Bears. Now, Rick, I know uh, – the defensively, historically, the Bears, have, that's their M.O. defense, the Monsters of the Midway. But at the quarterback position, problems. Nick Foles has operated in spurts this year. Mitchell Trubisky was the starter at the beginning of the year. He wasn't getting it done. Foles was solid for a minute. He gets hurt. Trubisky's back in, and it's just they've, they've regressed. And again, a few years back, they had an opportunity in the draft to either get Deshaun Watson. Also, they had an opportunity to get Patrick Mahomes. And then, of course, the year later, Lamar Jackson was was available as well. The Bears didn't get their opportunity to draft those guys at quarterback. So, give me a take on Chicago in the first half. Um, full goal because they they kind of started off as a team that you 
was like, man, maybe this team could do something. They look pretty decent. And defensively, they looked like they had a pretty scary roster. You look at and picked up some other pieces on the defense, and you were like, yo, maybe this team could, you know, maybe there's something they can do here. You you don't know. But, man, I'm going to tell you what, one thing that I saw um, just recently that I thought was just um, a very sad story. You look at the wide receivers, and you look at the wide receivers in their one-on-one matchups, and those wide receivers have been beating the brakes off of cornerbacks. However, when they're in the open field and when they have they've created separation, the ball has been thrown far too far away from them in order for them to make plays. It's overthrown a lot. It's underthrown at times. Um, they they've been winning their matchups. Allen Robinson is winning his matchups. These wide receivers winning those matchups, but they're not getting um, they're not getting accurate balls being thrown to them. That's a problem. That's a problem because it causes your, your wide receivers to stop believing and he's getting behind the center, right? That's an issue. Then defensively, they've really t- taken a nosedive. They've taken a huge nosedive, right? Um, but the the biggest problem with this team is really their offense, man. They are second to last, second to last um, in offensive yards. Only 305.5 um, um, yards per game. They – they, they're God. It's really tough to put any faith in this Chicago Bears team, and I don't know, man. Um, we we may be in a situation. We may be in a situation for the, that 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 coach may be in a situation. It's as simple as that. All right, two more teams I want to bring up: the Forty ers and the Falcons. The Forty ers are Jimmy G done for the year. Uh, well, not done for the year, but suffered that high ankle sprain. He's, he's out currently on IR, and so they traded quarterbacks with C.J. Beathard and then Nick Mullins, and um, defensively, a lot of injuries this year with the 49ers. Nick Bosa done for the year. Solomon Thomas was hurt. Richard Sherman. Uh, so many injuries on the 49ers squad. They've been 5-6 and six at, at the moment. They still had a chance to possibly get a wild card or maybe um, Maybe they could have a chance to win the West. And the Atlanta Falcons, the expectations are high every year for the Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan, his days are numbered. Todd Gurley not putting up the numbers. The expectations were high for him. Just give me a take on uh, uh, San Fran and Atlanta. Okay, so San Francisco, up and down. But they have the makings of a team that can give you trouble if you – let them out of this bubble, and I'm. <laughs> I, I, that would be the headline. It's, they're in the bubble right now, right? Um, they stand in the tenth spot in the NFC, but right now they're only a few games out because the Bucks are seven and five, the Cardinals are six and um, six and I'm sorry, yes, yeah, six and five, but the Vikings, the Bears, and the Forty Nine are all at five and six, and so um, as of right now, right, this Forty ers team just beat, and you mentioned, hey. The Rams team is scary, right? Why aren't they getting the respect they deserve? And I was like, if some of the losses that they've taken, them losing to Nick Mullins and this 49ers team, that wasn't a good look, Rams. That's not a good look. And <laughs> and losing that game is a problem. The 49ers are one of those teams that could bite you. They can come and bite you. And when they and when they're fully healthy, they can beat you for real, right? Um, you look at the they beat the breaks off the Patriots when they're when they're uh, when they're good. They beat the Rams twice. You're like, yo, okay, well that's great, but how healthy was are they? 
well, Kittle may be coming back. So I think Kittle has targeted week 15 um, as a possible time for him to come back. He said best-case scenario, week 15, that's him, you know, coming from Kittle. That could be a possibility that they're getting more healthy as the year goes on. They just got Mostert back. Um, if they're getting healthy and they're getting healthy at the right time, right, then this team could be, you know, a, a bit of trouble for somebody if you let them out. So I don't – I'm not throwing in the towel yet on the 49ers. I'm not throwing in the towel yet on them. There's seven teams allowed into the playoffs. They can sneak into that seventh spot. If they do, they can cause trouble. Now, the Falcons, um, golly, I want to throw the towel on them too. I want to say, you know what, these Falcons are horrible. Um, there's nothing they can do. It's over for them, right? Um, no matter who the coach, if it's Morris or, or whoever it is, done team. I want to. I want to say, you know what? After that loss to the Saints, then that's it. These Falcons are finished, right? Then they come in and beat the brakes off the Raiders. Then you're like, wait, I don't know now, right? Because they didn't just beat the Raiders; they beat a game Raider team. That Raider team was pretty healthy, right? They beat that team forty-three to six, and you're like, uh, who are you? Who are you, Falcons? They beat the Panthers, who uh, people were like, you know, Panthers starting to get it together. Well, they beat them 25-17. to 17. The Broncos, they, when they had quarterbacks, they beat them too. So <laughs> you, look at, you look at this team, and if they come in and they beat the Saints team, then you have to wonder what's going to happen with the Falcons. Are they they're, – they're somewhat out of it, I'm not going to lie to you, but there is a way. There's a way for them to get back in there. Four and seven right now, um, and teams ahead of them, five and six. Cardinals, like I said, at six and five. There's a possible way for them to sneak in. Um, it depends on who they are, man, and, and you just never know who they are. All I do know is they're one of the worst passing defenses in the league, and that's going to always be a problem for them. They're right now they're second worst. If Seattle didn't exist, they'd be the worst. And so that that's uh that's the thing that will always hamper this team. But, you know, we'll see, man. We'll see at the end of the day what this Falcons team look like. Um and if they lose this Saints game, they can start packing it in. It's over. All right, let's move along now to the Patriots and the Texans. Again, the the expectations were so high for New England when Cam, when they signed Cam Newton. Of course, it was the end of an era of Tom Brady leaving, going to Tampa. But the expectations got high again when Cam Newton signed a one year deal with the New England Patriots, and they're currently five and six at the moment. The, the offense has been has been suspect at times. Defensively, New England has played well. However, the Houston Texans, wow, you what a hmm, what a difference a year makes. Last year they were in the wild card playoff game. They beat Buffalo in a great game. Now it seems as though they're not. They haven't played well this year. And um, Will Fuller is going to be done for the year as a result of violating the league's uh, PED protocol. And just so much has happened with Houston this year. So, and then of course Kenny Stills was released. So, give me your thoughts on New England and Houston. Man. I really had high hopes for for Cam. I really thought, you know, Cam would come in and and really do something, right? Um, I thought that was a possibility or a possible way for him to, um, you know, to really revive his career there. He's been okay. He's been decent. Um, Them getting the win over the Cardinals I think was was really good for him. Um, Them going in and beating the Ravens earlier 
um, this year. I thought that was a really good, you know, that looked really good. They're not completely out of this thing, right? Um, if you look at it, in the last four games, they won four out of the last three games. The only game that they did lose was that game to the Texans. I am looking at a team that there's a way, right? There's definitely a way. They're still in the they're still in the hunt. They're still in the bubble. Um, there's a way for this team to to, to get out of it. Um, they have to go in and beat the Chargers. They have to you know beat that Rams team. But what I'm what I'm gonna see from this team is really I'm gonna see the story unfold for me when they play the Dolphins and when they play the Bills. And, and we'll see what they look like that, right, um, in games against the Bills before they played them tight, 24-21. to 21, um, But at the end of the day, they lost that game. They also played the Jets too tight for me, to be honest with you. That was, that was too close of a game, and they have one game up over the Dolphins. At the end of the day, I don't know uh, what this team will look like, but – they they look like they struggle offensively so much. They just they seem to get it going, but get it going very late. They have no weapons on the outside for real. None that you can really trust. No matter you know what you feel about Bird, he's he's not that guy, right? On the kill, Harry's just not that guy. They just don't have weapons out there, man. So um, and then the running back position, Damian Harris has come in and done a pretty okay job, but golly, they need so much more help. So. That team looks they they even if they make it somewhere it looks like they'll be an easy easy out. So I'm not too you know keen on them. The Texans, I don't know man, Jesus, it, it looks tough. It looks so bad. You know you had a you had a scary weapon in Will Fuller and golly the way he was playing, I don't want to say this out loud. <laughs> the way he was playing is like he was on PEDs. He was killing it. He was killing it. He was killing it all. Um, and when he has breakout games, he's one of those up and down guys, right? And he, uh, you know, but he's one of those. I'm a big fantasy guy, so he's one of those big fantasy guys you can always go to. Uh, Watson, Watson's still a, a beast. He's still great. He's still a phenomenal quarterback. But at the end of the day, you just need other players, man. Um, and golly, I don't, I don't want to say this out loud, but they got screwed. They got screwed. You get rid of a DeAndre Hopkins? Come on, man! You did this to yourself. And I, I don't, I don't want to scream at you, but I'm just saying, like, this is what's going on right now. This was done to you. You did this, you did this to yourself, and you put yourself in this situation. And you thought that you can run the league with these mini wide receivers and Brandon Cooks. You go out and get him, right? Um, you have Will Fuller. Um, you think these small wide receivers you had um, steals? I thought they were going to be like, you know, these like mini fast people, right? But you need some size, man, at the wide receiver position. You do. You just need some size. Um, and, and you need some, golly, now you need some reinforcements. The running back that you went and picked up, right, in that trade, David Johnson, he's let you down. It's just not there for this team, man. And there's so much to, you know, there's so much more to do. Even though they beat the life out the Lions. You feel me? Then they beat the Patriots. Um, but I just don't see them doing anything for the rest of the year. I think they'll win. Um, they'll lose against these Colts this week. They got to play the Colts twice from here on out. It's going to be tough for them, man. It'll just be tough. If it's going to Fuller, I don't even know. Is it Kuti time? We'll see. 
Well, we we should we're gonna have to see the expectations for next year with the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, man. I mean, the people in Cincinnati they've been waiting for that quarterback. Really, they've been waiting for that quarterback to really make an impact since really since the Carson Palmer era. Uh, just give me a take on on the injury of Joe Burrow and and the Bengals going forward. Truly hate this for the Bengals team because those that Bengals fan base. They are a passionate group. I know that they were excited about having what they saw as the answer at the quarterback spot. Joe Burrow was actually coming in, and he was exceeding all the expectations of the number one pick in the draft. You were looking at this guy like, yo, was last year in LSU a fluke? Can he make that can, – can that translate to the NFL? And he walked into the NFL and showed you, yes, it translates. Yes, it translates. I, I I did well there. It wasn't just the system. I'm nice at, at this quarterback thing. He came in, and he was doing very well leading this team, making T. Higgins a household name, right, even though, you know, he was already a beast at Clemson. But still, he comes in, and he looks good. Um, even when A.J. Green isn't playing up to A.J. Green's standard, uh, it's, he was still carrying this offense. Even when Joe Mixon's gone with Giovanni Bernard, he's still doing his thing. You look at a Joe Burrow, man, and you're like, man, I loved what I saw from him, the confidence, the moxie, um, the way he handles himself and so, um, you know, with the media. I loved what I saw from Joe Burrow. I hated to see him go down. All of Cincinnati shares the sentiment they think that they have their quarterback of the future. Absolutely, absolutely they know it. Um, if he comes back, I hated to hear about all the extra structural damage, and so we'll see what that looks like. But um, people have, and quarterbacks especially, have been able to come back from, from knee injuries. I wonder how this is going to impact his ability to run or his, um, you know, is he skeptical to run or not? I wonder what that's going to look like. But at the end of the day, I'm looking at a Joe Burrow who is going to be, uh, if, if he comes back healthy and if everything's good, he's going to be one of those guys who you say he went first in the draft, he deserved it, he looked like it, he played like it throughout the entirety of his career. All right, one last team, the New York Jets. Uh, the first half of the year, they just um, <laughs> they, they didn't win a game. They had yet to win a game. Uh, give me your thoughts on the Jets and uh, with them going forward. Do you see them uh, sticking with Sam Donald, or do you see them possibly trying to make a run for Trevor Lawrence? Oh, they're making that run. <laughs> and if he declares, they're going to run up their card to the commissioner right now. They're going to find him. They're going to send somebody on a plane and go hand their card to the commissioner as soon as Trevor Lawrence declares for the draft. It's as simple as that. Um, no, Sam Darnold is not going to be the guy there. I've heard quest, uh, rumors of Sam Darnold uh, possibly being the guy in New Orleans possibly later on. We'll see how that works out um, or wherever you know he may go. But, no, Sam Darnold is not going to be the guy there. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence um, if they continue to you know, this thing, what they're doing right now. Um, the only way Trevor Lawrence is not number one, I'm hearing, is, is possibly that he just doesn't come out. But I'm pretty sure he will. Um, and if he doesn't, then it'll be to avoid the Jets. This team is horrible. Um, I don't know another way to describe what horrible looks like. Even when they're supposed to be getting a little bit better, they still find a way to be horrible. Thank God that the Raiders took that L last week 
right? Um, because now they get a chance to go play the Jets, and it's a guaranteed win. So whenever you play the Jets, don't even worry about it. The only team, the only time that I saw um, that this, well, they do have some fight in them every now and again, right? Um, and you saw that against the Patriots. You saw that against the Chargers uh, when you saw a little fight. And then they play the Dolphins, and the fight's going. So I, man, I don't know. Um, this team is this team is finished. Hopefully they find, hopefully they get it and they get rid of their head coach. If they don't and they keep believing in whatever this is, right? Then then they don't want to win. It's as simple as that. You got to get rid of your head coach at this point. And I hate to call for people's jobs. So you know, if if you're like you're listening, and you're like, man, that's that's real foul. You calling for his job? I don't like doing that. I really don't. But to be honest with you. Um, Okay, if you look at the Dolphins team last year, when they were in line for the number one pick, you saw them fighting weakly and trying to win, and then they would steal a few games. This Jets team looks like they're not even trying to steal a few, right? Like, yo, when it comes down to it, you see they almost give games away. Flacco looked, looked better than I thought he would look, right, uh, in, his, uh, in his stead when he came in. But at the end of the day, you thought Sam Darnold with all his weapons, um, they went out and got Perriman, and you thought, hey, you know what, he did well uh, with the Bucks. Maybe he'll come over here and do something. He's shown flashes, but we haven't seen much from him. Denzel Mims, all right, you haven't seen really, um, you know, much from him. He looks good at times, but then whatever, you know. So I, do, I don't know. I, I don't know where this team is headed. They don't have any semblance of a real running game, even though Gore is there trying. Um I struggle with this team so much because I believe I, – I didn't fully believe the Sam Darnold hype, but I know some people did. And I know Sam Darnold is a good quarterback. He just needs a better system. Sam Darnold could be in for a Ryan Tannehill-type story where he was in one offense that just wasn't good for him, it didn't fit him, and now he's going to go to another team and really shine. So um, if the coach is missing, then the Jets could be good next year. But this year, golly, it's a sad story. And I think they may go for the rest of the year. They, they're probably going to lose out. They're not going to win one of these games. They're going to lose to Seattle. They're going to lose to the Rams. They're going to lose to the Browns. They may beat the Patriots to end the year. They may. But if the Patriots come to play, then no. So they'll lose out. And they're going to guarantee they get that first spot. Tough times in New, in New York right now. Definitely uh, not – Definitely. Uh, it's, all, it's always fun when you see not just one New York team, but both of the New York teams winning. And definitely uh, tough times right now for the Jets and as well as the Giants. All right, Rick, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the program. Just tell everybody what you do at uh, MTMV Sports. Yo, at MTMV Sports, what we do constantly is have these conversations, man, these tough NFL conversations. We we have them. We We have a show called The Huddle Up, where we meet up every Monday. You can check us out on YouTube. Look for MTNV Sports. Um, we can normally go live on YouTube. And when we're there, what we do is we, we have these conversations. We kick it off um, with whatever the headlines are in the NFL, NBA, um, MMA. We do stuff like that. Um, but later on, we do um, spicy talk. We have graded debates. And so, you know, we, we throw up a topic, two teams break up, and then one team, um, they'll, you know, they try to beat the other one and, and score debates. And so it's a really, really good interaction. Um, and then every now and again I have guests, just like um, this show, I bring on guests and we do interviews. And so I, we've interviewed some of the best. Chris Broussard was on our show. Um, 
you know, Hugh Douglas from 92.9 The Game was on our show, a former Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, we do this a lot. Shelby Harris from the um, Denver Broncos. We bring on people to discuss what's going on in the um, in the NFL. And on top of that, you know, every now and again, we do skits. So uh, <laughs> Nate Robinson got knocked out by Jake Paul. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we had to do something about that, man. And so we're a fun bunch over at MTNV Sports. We just love what we do. We love to talk sports, and we love to have a good time while doing it. Awesome to hear. So now tell everybody just uh, real quickly where they can find you as well as MTNV Sports on uh, social media. And if you have a website, let them know that as well. Absolutely. You can find us at MTMV Sports. It's my team, my voice, MTMV Sports. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and even on TikTok. You can find us there as well. Um, if you want to, you can join our Facebook group, which is another thing you can you can hop into. Um, just look for MTMV Sports on Facebook. If you want to just find me, you want to follow me, it's at Rick Sincere, R-I-C, Sincere, S-I-N-C-E-R-E, at Rick Sincere. You can follow me on all social media platforms at the same name. Um, you can find us, and our website is MTMVPN, My Team, My Voice Podcast Network. So mtmvpn.com, you can check us out there. Um, there's articles there where we release episodes on a weekly basis. You can also find our episodes that we dropped. Man, last year I think we dropped over, what, 397 episodes. And so there's tons of content there. You can check us out. And plus, you know, you can also check the Robson Show there um, every now and then as well. Oh, solid. Thanks for the plug, man. And uh, real quickly, tell everybody about uh, your album, uh, Beyond Belief. Yes, the album is, is out. Um, you can check it out at on Spotify, Apple. It's really just my story, man. It's my story and it's my journey um, through life. I talk about uh, my journey in love, my journey in life, my journey in education, but really um, it's a story of, you know, my, my life talks about being bullied in school, like, <laughs> like it talks about being bullied, being picked on, being made fun of, um, and finding that source in you. Right, that's that's gonna that specialness in you, that spectacular you that everybody in the world can benefit from. And so um, I talk about that journey, and I talk about how Christ led me to know who I am inside, and how that person inside can benefit the world on the outside. So it's really um, an inspirational album. Hopefully, if you go listen to it, it inspires you um, on your journey as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, you heard it from him. He's Rick Sincere. Um, he's, he's the man. He's uh, the CEO of the MTMB Sports Podcast Network. Check out some of this, the programs that he's talked about, such as a Spicy Talk, The Huddle Up, and also other things that he's working on, as well as uh, get your copy of Beyond Belief. Rick, thank you so much for being on the program. If you ever you want to come back on, you know you know where we at, man. Yes, sir. My absolute pleasure, man. Always a pleasure to join the Robinson Show. I love this show. Oh, man, thank you so much, man. I love your shows as well, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for the love, man. Really appreciate it. And we'll be back with more right after this. I don't know where it's different, but hold up, hold up. Because everybody always telling me to grow up, so bum. I'm in the studio right now. And I don't see no reason to turn down. Because you know the model, full throttle. Oh, you know the model, full throttle, full throttle. You know the model, full throttle. I'm going hard right now. How we going in tomorrow? I 
All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. Once again, a big special thank you to Rick Sincere from the MTMB Sports Podcast Network. We had a chance to discuss the teams making an impact and the teams not making an impact in the first half of the 2020 NFL season. All right, let's get right to it for the most important games of Week 13 in the NFL. Let's start off with the game between the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons, an NFC South rivalry game. Let's start off with the Saints. The Saints have been... A lot of people have said, and I'll say it as well, they've been the hottest team in the league right now, one of the top defenses in the league. Certainly no Drew Brees, no problem. They've got Taysom Hill, who's been serviceable. He's done his part. He's a a talented athlete, a utility player, but also is currently serves as a team starting quarterback while Drew Brees remains uh, healing. He's currently on injured reserve due to the 11 fractured ribs and the collapsed lung. So the Saints are riding a high right now, but meanwhile, they're going to Atlanta to play their dreaded rival, the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons showed up and showed out in last week's game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Was not expecting the Falcons to beat the Raiders like that, 43-6. to Wow. i tell you one thing. Atlanta is just one of those teams that you can never sleep on them. Just when you think they've been defeated and their season is over with, somehow they rise like a phoenix from the ashes. But man, this is going to be a great game in the down in the ATL between New Orleans and Atlanta. Again, we know Atlanta's defense is one of the worst in the league, so the Saints should have a field day. But then again, with the Saints and the Falcons, you just never know. It's all—it's been so many great memories in that rivalry, and they're going to continue that rivalry on this weekend between the Saints and the Falcons. Next game is going to be the Cleveland Browns against the Tennessee Titans. First of all, Cleveland, solid offense. Defensively, they've been playing very well. But how about the, the running back tandem with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? That's one of the best, probably the best one-two punch in the NFL. And they're going to go up against a team with a stellar running back. At the moment, the league's leading rusher, Derrick Henry from the Tennessee Titans. Ryan Tannehill's been effective defensively. Tennessee's played nice. Their offense has been great. Cleveland and Tennessee is going to be a great game in Nashville. I expect this thing to go to the wire. I think both defenses are going to shine, especially late in the game. I could see a, a last-second stop or maybe a, a interception happen. Happening. I don't know. I just have a feeling about this game with the Browns and the Titans. Should It should be exciting. An exciting game up in the Pacific Northwest between the New York Giants and the Seattle Seahawks. Of course, the Giants pulled off a win over the Cincinnati Bengals. The Seattle Seahawks won a, a close one on Monday night, beating the Philadelphia Eagles. So Seattle still for the moment, is uh, leading in the NFC West. They have a chance to possibly be the number one seed in the NFC. They really have to win out because they're chasing New Orleans and Green Bay for that top spot. Meanwhile, the Giants, for the moment, are in first place in the NFC East. I mean, that division, as me and Rick Sincere were were saying earlier, that division has not been good this year. Daniel Jones has a hamstring injury, will not play in this game. Colt McCoy will be the starting quarterback. Now, the Giants' the Giants running game has been effective this year. No Saquon Barkley, but Wayne Gallman has been very good. He's been effective this year in the absence of Saquon Barkley. So Seattle has one of the worst, has the worst defense in the league, but I think this could be an advantage for, Giants, for the Giants in terms, in terms of running the ball. I don't know how the passing game is passing game is going to react, but I do know that the Giants should 
had no problems running the ball against Seattle. But Seattle has Russell Wilson. They've got DK Metcalf. They've got Tyler Lockett. So they always have a chance to win the game. They always are going to have a chance to compete and be in the numbers. So it's going to be a, a solid game up in the Pacific Northwest between the Giants and the Seahawks. An NFC West rivalry game between the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, the Rams, they have a lot on their mind. They lost a tough division game last week to the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers beat them on a game-winning field goal. So the Rams, they are chomping at the bit right now. Not only do they want to get back on, out on that field and get a victory, this week's game is going to be against a division rival with the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona They've got a lot to play for, too. Kyler Murray and the rest of that team, DeAndre Hopkins and company, lost a tough one to the New England Patriots up at Foxborough. So they're going to be returning to the desert. And they've got a lot to play for, man. This is, you know, the Rams, both the Rams and the Cardinals are both at the moment wildcard teams. But they're not too far behind Seattle in terms of getting that NFC West spot. This is going to be a fantastic game. I wonder how the Rams' defense will respond against somebody like Kyler Murray, someone that is very mobile. He's fast. He's someone with a rocket arm. This is going to be an interesting matchup right here between the Rams and Cardinals. I like this one. Next game is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles against the Green Bay Packers. Philadelphia struggling this year, but still have a chance to win the NFC East. A lot of question marks on both sides of the ball with offense, defense, and even with the head coaching position with Doug Peterson. Will he be back next year, or will the Eagles maybe try to make a run at Eric Bieniemy. We don't know, but for this moment, for this 2020 season, the Eagles have struggled. Carson Wentz has regressed tremendously, and they can't run the ball right now. They just don't have the weapons due to so many injuries. They're just messed up on all all positions team. Offensive lineman Lane Johnson is going to be out for the remainder of the year, so that's a, a big blow for the Eagles. However, Zach Ertz is expected to return. He's coming off of injured reserve, so this is going to be interesting. The Eagles going to one of the toughest places to play in the NFL, and that's Lambeau Field and the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers and company looked so brilliant in that Sunday night game against the Chicago Bears. Green Bay, I mean, Philly has one of the worst defenses in the league, so expect Aaron Rodgers to put up monster numbers. He was solid in the game against Chicago, but expect him to do serious damage against that Eagles defense. Running the ball, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, they're going to get theirs as well. And don't be surprised if Green Bay's defense steps up big. Uh, the Smiths, uh, Preston and Zadarius and uh, Kinsley Kiki, and uh, I mean, that whole team, that defense has been effective this year. So, Look for the uh, the Eagles and the Packers at Lambeau Field. Should be an interesting game. Division rival game on Sunday night between the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Denver went through the whole quarterback carousel as due to COVID-19. The, uh, Kendall Hinton was the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos in that beatdown that they received at the hands of the New Orleans Saints. Hey, let's just be real. Kendall Hinton had not played a snap as a college quarterback since his freshman year at Wake Forest. So again, you know, they followed the COVID protocol. Denver did not have a, a season quarterback. Again, no excuse 
still, you know, I mean, I, I still didn't have them beating the Saints, but I gave them a chance to compete. That didn't happen. But now the COVID protocol is behind Denver for the time being. Drew Locke is going to return. He's expected to start. And um, he's got his hands full going to Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, offensively, uh, Tyree Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Le'Veon Bell. They are just clicking on all cylinders right now. Defensively, they've got they've made stops as well. So this is a Sunday night game, a division rival, Broncos and Chiefs. That rivalry has been outstanding for years, man. This game, I expect Mahomes and company to do some major damage in this game against Denver's decimated defense. Now we've got a doubleheader on Monday. On Monday, I should say, the Monday afternoon game, the late game, will be the Washington football team going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's start off with the Washington football team. They're riding a high right now, beating the rival Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. Alex Smith, who's been one of my favorite players for a long time, who I think will win the comeback player of the year. He's been effective. The running game's been nice with Antonio Gibson. Also, you've got J.D. McKissick and also Peyton Barber. How about the receivers with Steven Sims, uh, Terry McLaurin at the tight end position? You have Logan Thomas. Washington's offense is nice, but defense, they've really shined bright with the likes of Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat. I mean, that team has been really, the defense has been really effective. And Washington has like a top 10 defense in the league, and they're going to need it to stop this. Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Pittsburgh remains the only undefeated team in the NFL currently at 11. And, uh, uh, I'm sorry, yes, yeah, week 13. Well, uh, they, they sit uh, comfortably at 12 and 0. So, again, Pittsburgh, they're riding a high right now. You've got Ben Roethlisberger, who's an MVP candidate, also a candidate for Comeback Player of the Year. We don't know if. James Conner is going to return for this game. Looks like Benny Snell could get the start. And, you know, Pittsburgh, again, they they had a a big loss with Bud Dupree, their all-world linebacker. They put him on injured reserve. He's done for the year, so – but they've got T.J. Watt, they've got Minka Fitzpatrick. They've got so many weapons, so many rough riders – on that Pittsburgh Steelers team. So Pittsburgh, they're going to be playing at home. They beat the division rival Baltimore Ravens, so it's definitely something we'll pay attention to. I think this is going to be a good game, the late game on Monday afternoon between the Washington football team and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you have the nightcap on Monday night football between the Buffalo Bills and the San Francisco 49ers. Buffalo leading in the AFC East right now with an 8-3 record. Definitely uh, something we should – pay attention to because Buffalo, uh, we talk about Pittsburgh, we talk about Kansas City, Tennessee is in the mix, but Buffalo could disrupt, could be disrupting, could be causing problems as the postseason rolls along and maybe later in the year when they get their hands on Pittsburgh. That's a game we need to pay attention to as Rick Sincere said earlier in the interview, but Buffalo's played well. Josh Allen is nice. Stephon Diggs, one of the top receivers in the league defensively. They're clicking right now, and they've gone up against a San Francisco 49ers team. The 49ers are riding a high. They beat the Rams last week in a, by a, a game-winning field goal. So I think with with any situation, I stand correct. I'm sorry. The Steelers are currently 11 and 0. I, I apologize for that. The Steelers are currently at 11 and 0. So we've uh, with San Francisco, 
they're going through a lot of changes right now. Currently in Santa Clara County, which is in the state of California, they, for the time being, they have a immediate restrictions on full contact sports. So as a result of that, due to COVID-19 restrictions, 49ers will play their next two games at Arizona at the home stadium belonging to the Arizona Cardinals. So the 49ers, I know they have a lot of changes going on, winning last week's game against the Rams, now with Santa Clara County, and their COVID-19 restrictions are restricting full contact sports as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak. So for the time being, the next two weeks, their temporary home will be in Glendale, Arizona, which is home to the Arizona Cardinals. So the 49ers mentally They've got a lot of uh, – mentally, they're going to be fighting a lot of things. But if anything, San Francisco, if there's any good news right now, Raheem Mostert is back, Richard Sherman is back. So – and George Kittle could come back at the at, towards the end of the year. So San Francisco, again – they're chasing the Rams and the Cardinals to get one of those wild card spots. This is going to be a, a good game. I'm expecting a really good game. I think Nick Mullins will be solid in this game. The Bills and the 49ers is going to be great. And then we've got the Tuesday night game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Baltimore Ravens. Of course, with the Ravens outbreak, the game that they had against the Steelers was postponed three times. They played on the on the Wednesday afternoon, and then they had to move the game back, which was originally a Thursday night game against Dallas, but now they'll play on Tuesday night. So you've got the Tuesday night game between Cowboys and the Ravens. Now, as far as Dallas is concerned, they they were embarrassed on Thanksgiving Day by the Washington football team, and they've got to get it together. Mike McCarthy, year one with the Cowboys, not what we expected. Dallas, the expectations run high every year for them. They just, um, I don't know. There's just a hype for them every year, but they just can't seem to, to get it done. But they're going to have to turn it around and, and go up against a team that suffered a loss on Wednesday, last this, uh, this past Wednesday afternoon in the Baltimore Ravens. We don't know if Lamar Jackson's going to be back to this game. He may still be under the COVID protocol, but what we do know is that J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram, they're going to be returning for this game. Baltimore defensively, they're going to have their weapons ready going up against Dallas. They're going to have their hands full going up against Ezekiel Elliott and that Cowboys running game. So on Tuesday night football, Dallas and Baltimore, going to be an interesting game. Definitely something to look forward to. Again, we don't know if Lamar Jackson is going to be playing, but we do know that J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram are going to be back. All right, so that's that's that segment right there. When we come back from the break, I'll have my game of the week. I'm Ed Robinson, and you're listening to the NFL Wrap-Up. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit VivaTowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. 
This is what high blood pressure looks like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. I can't button up a shirt. I can't run. I've had to learn to swallow again. That's the only more minutes that I have. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. Had I done this, had I done that, hell, I messed up. Get back on your plan. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. At Discount Tire, you can shop online and get the same trusted advice you get from the stores. Then just book a time that's convenient for you. When you get to the store, you can stay safe with a new touchless experience. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. At the end of the open road, some things are better experienced than explained. Know the feeling. On the beaches of Fort Myers and Sanibel. All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. My game of the week is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles squaring off against the Green Bay Packers. When Carson Wentz was drafted by the Eagles five years ago, The future was bright. The future was bright for Carson in Philly. It seemed to be a match made in heaven. Carson coming out of North Dakota State, winning multiple awards, accomplishing so many things during his time with the North Dakota State Bison. And when he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, a new era had emerged. And rookie year, Carson was decent. Second year, um, did pretty well, but the 2017 year proved to be very pivotal for Carson Wentz. The Eagles were rocking and rolling. Not only did they have Alshon Jeffrey, but did they have Alshon Jeffrey healthy? They also had Nelson Aguilar, and man, they were just clicking on all cylinders. We can't forget about the running game with Jay Ajayi and Legarrette Blunt. Zach Ertz, Trey Burton were at the tight end positions. Defensively, Philly was solid with the, with the addition of Malcolm Jenkins. But also that same year, Wentz was destined to most likely win the league MVP until he suffered a very – until he suffered a uh, devastating knee injury, had him out for the remainder of the year, and Nick Foles comes in saves the day, and we know the rest is history. The Eagles go on to win the Super Bowl. The year after they win the Super Bowl, Wentz gets a contract extension, four years, $128.5 million. Since that contract extension, since the Super Bowl year, not just Carson, but the Eagles have regressed. They have regressed so bad and this is a team that's young, and they can get things done. They can compete. They've shown it before, time and time again. But they just seem to regress. They just seem to, instead of taking the next step, instead of taking the next step forward, they're taking really two steps back. 
and I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I mean, a lot of there have been injuries. There have been key coordinators and coaches that have left. That's true. But at the end of the day, you still have to go out and produce. After all, it's the National Football League, the NFL. And the NFL also stands for not for long, and not for long will you have a job. Doug Peterson, he's been under question this year as well. Will he remain the head coach of the Eagles for the next several years? We don't know. But what we do know is that the Eagles, for the moment, have a 3-7-1 and record. And they're going to have to travel to one of the toughest places in the NFL, and that is the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay, 8-3 and three this year currently. They're on a roll right now. They're currently the number two team. They're currently the number three seed in the NFC. And actually are tied with Seattle right now in one game behind New Orleans for the number one spot. Aaron Rodgers, MVP candidate, looking as – as only Aaron Rodgers can. And Green Bay, they're riding a high right now with an impressive win over Sun- on Sunday night football against the Chicago Bears. So Green Bay, they definitely have their ducks in a row, and they're definitely going to display those ducks in the game this weekend against the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly, we don't know what their, what their identity is, but Green Bay, we know what their identity is. There's a team with a future Hall of Fame quarterback, a stellar running back, and also a, a running game that can get it done. Devontae Adams, one of the best receivers in the league, decent supporting cast at the receiver position, but they've got a nice defense led by the Smiths, Preston and Zadarius. Philly and Green Bay, always exciting, always fun to watch. And I remember very vividly, it may have been last year on a Thursday night when the Eagles beat the Packers. Uh, Carson Wentz played an effective game. In that uh, that game was at Lambeau last year. Carson Wentz played in that game. He was effective. He was solid. But they're going to need him, and they're going to need everybody to step up for that game in Lambeau Field. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Green Bay Packers, my game of the week. Coming up next, I'll have my picks, and we'll close out the show. I'm Ed Robinson, and you're listening to the NFL Wrap-Up. All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. Now it's time for my picks of the most important games for Week 13 in the National Football League. All right, I'm going to start off with the game between the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons. I think it's going to be an effective game between the Saints and the Falcons. But in the end, New Orleans will – I expect this game to come down to a field goal. I think New Orleans will win by a field goal. So I like the Saints to beat the Falcons in the Cleveland and Tennessee game. I like the Titans to win. The Giants and the Seahawks, I like the Seahawks to win. Good game between the Rams and the Cardinals. I like the Rams to win that game. Philly and Green Bay, my game of the week. I like the Packers to win. Sunday night between the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City will win. I think it's going to be a good game between the Washington football team and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I like the Steelers to remain undefeated. Monday night, Buffalo and San Francisco. I like the Bills to beat the 49ers. And on Tuesday night, I like uh, the Baltimore Ravens to beat the Dallas Cowboys. So, again, my picks for the most important games for Week 13, I like New Orleans, Tennessee, Seattle, 
L.A. Rams, Green Bay, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Baltimore. And uh, that's it for me. That's my picks for the most important games of Week 13, and that's going to do it for this week's edition of the NFL Wrap-Up. Again, a big special thank you to Sincere from the MTMV Sports Podcast Network. Great job, as always. And thank you once again to all the listeners out there. I hope you had a safe and a blessed and a happy Thanksgiving. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy. I'm Ed Robinson. And until next time, we'll talk to you again next week right here on the NFL Wrap-Up. So long, everyone. At the end of the open road, some things are better experienced than explained. Know the feeling on the beaches of Fort Myers and Sanibel. Slack is a new way to communicate with your team. It replaces email with something faster, better organized, and more secure. In a world where people could be anywhere, it becomes your office. Try it for free at slack.com. Slack, where work happens. At the end of the open road, some things are better experienced than explained. Know the feeling on the beaches of Fort Myers and Sanibel.